Once again, we look to the cross and come with thankful hearts for what Christ has done. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus. We are astounded that you would give your very best, your son, Jesus, to us. To come born as a babe in such humble beginnings. To be on the run from an evil king, live as a refugee, come back and live in obscurity, have to obey sinful parents, parents who didn't understand as much as he, start a ministry where many were looking for something that he wasn't ready to fulfill yet, that he wasn't just the military messiah. He had bigger purposes than just conquering land. He wanted to conquer our hearts so that we would, we would be brought to you, God. And Father, I pray and thank you for Jesus dying on that cross for my sins, for our sins. And Lord, I pray today that as we open up your word, that we would be once again full of gratefulness and praise for our mighty Savior, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we pray in his mighty name. God's people said, amen and amen. I remember the day well. It was August 9th, 1988. We were in New Brunswick visiting my grandparents, a place of great fond memories for me. I remember coming into my grandparents' house and we turned on the TV and here was my hero, Wayne Gretzky. Not in an Edmonton Oilers uniform, but with a black tie, a white shirt with gray stripes, and he was in front of a mountain of microphones. And he was telling us that he had been traded from the Edmonton Oilers to the Los Angeles Kings. Now you need to understand that I was the number one fan of Wayne Gretzky. As a 14-year-old who loved hockey, had all of Wayne Gretzky's hockey cards. In fact, just a few months earlier, my father had taken me to Joe Louis Arena in Detroit to watch the Detroit Red Wings play the Edmonton Oilers. And I, had, I was all decked out. I was, I was repping hard the Oilers. And out comes Wayne, and he gives me this photo, autographed photo. And then to learn while in New Brunswick that my hero was being traded to Los Angeles, I was devastated. Friends, I, I cried actually. <laughs> and I started to blame Janet Jones, his new wife, 
<laughs> an American woman that he didn't stay far from. And in my mind, to this day, that still was one of the worst trades in history. I realized that hockey grew in the southern U.S. because of Wayne Gretzky. But how could Peter Pocklington do that? Maybe today you think, well, that wasn't the worst trade in history. Maybe you're a history buff. You think about the Dutch in 1667 that traded Manhattan Island, one of the most expensive pieces of real estate in the world, for Run Island so they could have more nutmeg. And I don't even not like nutmeg. Who here likes nutmeg? That was a bad trade. <laughs> but maybe in more ser all seriousness, some of you are here today and you're thinking, I, I actually made some bad trades. I've traded peace of mind with, by living within my means and now I'm in my, up to my eyeballs in debt. Others of you have traded in a good marriage away for work success or an affair or pornography or for some other reason. Others of us have traded our reputations for losing our cool and becoming angry or for pleasure, you name it, fill in the blank. We are very prone to trade away the present for our future. What was the worst trade in history? I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you're able to, or turn on your phones to 1 Peter chapter 3. And if you don't have a Bible, actually, on the way out, or you can raise your hand. I realize that many of you can't see, but this is for the future. This is an investment for the future. We want you to have a Bible, a gift today, and you can just raise your hand if you are new with us. And I would challenge all of us, whether this is a new Bible, a gift for you, that you would go home and you would read this weekend the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the Gospels, and it will help you understand more about the, the background and the story about we talking about the cross of Jesus. But today, we're just going to focus in on one verse. It's from 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. It was written by Peter. It's one of Jesus' top disciples. We learned last week in church that Peter went from being a disciple to a denier of Jesus to finally becoming a disciple maker of Jesus. And he, he writes a couple of letters. Letters to people who he calls elect exiles. Believers on the run. They are homeless but handpicked by God. They're born again. They've been given new birth. And he talks about the fact that God has made a trade. A trade for you. But a trade that you will still need to sign off on. What is the trade? The trade is Jesus for you. Jesus for you. As you were coming in today, you would have seen that we are for Cambridge. And that's because Jesus is for Cambridge. He died for Cambridge. At Christmas, we talk about Jesus' name being Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. At Easter, 
we understand that it's God for us. It's God for us. That he's not against you, that he loves you, that he cares about you. Jesus is for you. Now, it's not school today. So I'm going to do something that maybe some of the English teachers wouldn't like. But maybe just to help us remember that it's Jesus for you, we could say it's he for we. It's he for we. You can personalize that first and say it's, it's he for me. But we think so individualistically that it's also he for we. It's he for we. And this gives us great hope. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 3.18. Just the first half of this verse. It's up on the screen. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh. The righteous for the unrighteous. I say, well, what's that talking about? Well, we got to go back. We got to go back to the first human beings, Adam and Eve. Back to the Garden of Eden. We learn from the story of Adam and Eve that God actually made Adam and Eve um, perfect. They were, they were righteous. And he placed them in a garden and they, they were to take care of it and they were to be fruitful and multiply. And they only had one rule. One rule that they were not to be able to, they were not supposed to break. And that was to not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why not eat from the tree of knowledge and good and evil? Isn't knowledge good? Isn't understanding and starting between good and evil? <laughs> That's right. Because what Adam and Eve were doing, according to Vaughn Roberts, was they weren't just breaking God's rule, but they were trying to gain an understanding of knowledge of good and evil, and we've been confused ever since. And they, in a sense, didn't want to just break God's law, but they wanted to make God's law. They thought that they were better. We can now determine what is good and what is evil. And so they were both lawbreakers in an attempt to be a lawmaker, which is so crazy because they thought that they could be like God and usurp his authority. And yet they were created in God's image as every human being is. They were being tempted by the evil one, the devil, to have something that they already had. They traded away with so much good in their life for something bad. It was one of the worst trades in history. And even to this day, we're still trying to find our identity we become self-focused. We search as, as Charles Taylor talks about. He says, we, we're, we're, we're looking for a better and deeper me. We're looking for the original me. But we find the original identity in our originator, our creator, Jesus Christ. God the Father. God the Holy Spirit. You don't have to look any further but we do. 
And because of that original sin, because of that original breaking of what God's just one rule, that's why there's so much brokenness, so much strife, so much suffering in the world. And that's why we try in so many ways to fix our problem. Sometimes keeping the rules, sometimes going after pleasure, sometimes by taking authority, sometimes by following a leader that we think will fix our problems. But nothing works. Nothing works. Because none of them are righteous either. So that's why God had to send his son, Jesus, the only righteous one. We're all standing here. We, we, as we planned this service out, we didn't feel worthy to be on the platform. There's only one, the cross. Some of you might be wondering, well, how could one good person make up for all the billions of bad in the world? Well, quality beats quantity. Quality beats quantity. Jesus' quality of character was perfect. In our own lives, we know that we put some people forward to represent us. Think of a shootout in hockey or soccer. And someone will come forward and, and represent us Maybe at work, a more seasoned worker will represent a group who's less experienced. And so you can have the righteous who can help the unrighteous. And in the economy of God, it's like this. There's a scale. And all of the billions of people and all of the billions of sins, maybe trillions of sins, are outweighed by the glory and perfection of Jesus Christ. And that gives us great hope. And yet, today you might be asking, well, but why did Jesus still have to die? Couldn't he just be our champion? Couldn't he just be our hero? Muslims believe that Jesus is just a prophet, wasn't killed, didn't die on a cross, and yet, this verse that we read in 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. He suffered for all. Part of the truth is today that Jesus' death on this cross, he doesn't have to keep dying for sins. We were talking to our small group, and one of our small group members talked about in, in her home country how, how there's reenactments, and some will actually be crucified at Easter season to identify as Christ. But I have good news to you. You do not have to do that because Jesus died once for sins. Once for all. Why did Jesus have to die? 1 Peter 2, 22 through 25 it says this, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. 
For you were strained like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. That's good news. Why did Jesus have to die? We're back to the garden. I know it's springtime. We wanted to get in the garden, but in your mind, there's even a more important garden that you need to think about. In that garden, when Adam and Eve broke that one rule that God had, the consequence for that was death. God had promised this. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Death means separation. There was a spiritual separation from God, and it's evidenced in our physical deaths. And some of you know the pain of that, and you're feeling it today. And yet, Jesus, the righteous, died for the unrighteous so that death could be killed This gives us great hope so that you and I could be brought to God. We're going to have communion. And I want you to think about how our lives, because since the beginning of Adam and Eve's sin, have been full of darkness. Sure, there's been times where we do some good things, but... Most of us are still pretty self-focused, aren't we, if we're being honest? But Jesus dying on that cross enables us to move from darkness to light. So as we take this communion today, and each table will be lit up with, with light, I want you to imagine that you're coming into the light that you have moved from unrighteousness to righteousness because of Jesus. And the only way that you should come forward is to recognize that and trust that you cannot save yourself. That you need this Jesus who died on a cross for you and for me to bring you to God. That's the greatest trade. The greatest trade in history. It looked like the worst trade. I'm sure the angels were like, what? The, the sovereign son is being killed by rebels that he created. And yet, it was the best trade. Because God knew that he was winning a people for himself. The righteous for the unrighteous. He for me. He for we. So if you've trusted in Christ, you come forward and you partake. We're going to all eat together in a few minutes. But there's some of you here today maybe who've never trusted in Christ and I have really good news for you. It's trade day. It's the day where you get traded from darkness to light, from unrighteousness to righteousness because of Jesus. And all you need to do is say, Jesus, come into my life and bring me to God. We're going to sing in just a moment, and you can come and take communion, but I think you need just a moment for yourself. You talk to God. You tell him what's on your heart.
you ask him once again, whether you have believed him for a long time or today's fresh for you, fresh belief in him, you thank him for the cross. You thank him for this great trade, the greatest trade in history. You pray.